Hey there, educational rock stars. Are you feeling overwhelmed with lesson planning for your English language learners? Well, I've got some exciting news for you. Introducing our upcoming free webinar, Simplify Your Approach, Three Time-Saving Routines for ELL Success. Join me for a power-packed 45 minutes that's set to revolutionize your teaching strategy. In this webinar, we'll dive into three practical, easy-to-implement routines that will not only enhance your ELL teaching methods, but also save you hours of planning time. Yes, hours. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, these insights are tailored to help everyone make the most of their teaching time. Plus, you'll leave this webinar ready to implement these routines the next day. So mark your calendars for our two upcoming dates. I don't want you to miss this opportunity to transform your ELL lesson planning. To reserve your spot, simply sign up at www.equippingells.com slash routines. Trust me, your future self will thank you for it. I'll see you at the webinar. Teaching ELL students is a privilege and a joy. Is it easy? No way. But with the right support, you can feel empowered to tackle each day with ease and confidence. I'm your host, Beth Boucher, founder of Inspiring Young Learners. With over 10 years of teaching both nationally and internationally, I know what it takes to ensure that your ELL students have what they need to thrive today, tomorrow, and for life. I'm on a mission to empower you to equip your English language learners. Welcome to Equipping ELLs. Let's get to today's episode. Well, hey, Susan, welcome to the show. I'm so, so excited that you're here today. I'm super excited to be here. I feel like we've been trying to connect and like it's finally happening. I know, I know. I just love talking all things ELL with you. So I was had the great joy to be in your membership doing your call um, a couple months ago now, I think. So it's been something we've been trying to plan for a while to connect. So Susan, why don't you start and share just a little bit about your educational background and what you're doing right now. I have been teaching multilingual students for about, I think this is my 12th year, but I spent the first 10 years with high school and that's where my heart lies. And that's why I made my membership for secondary teachers. And I coached a little bit of that for about three years. And I'm currently actually in your space, K to eight with the district, a new district that I'm in. So I'm a teacher on special assignment for multilingual learners. And so I'm getting to see how to support our students with a district lens. So it's a really awesome experience. But secondary is where my heart lies for sure. That's great though to have the whole K through 12 spectrum. You get to see yes. it all. What does your caseload look like? What is that? So <laughs> kind of funny, actually. It's me and my colleague. And we support in our district, we've got about, I want to say 11,000 students and about 78% are multilingual learners. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, so we are really just trying to connect through um, like the content areas with other teachers on special assignment with supporting teachers through the content areas. And of yeah. course, our ELD coaches and ELD teachers. So it's no small feat. 
but it is so rewarding. Absolutely. It is It is not easy, but it's totally worth it. It's such a privilege to get to work with these students. Well, wow, that's a huge district. You're in California, right? Yes. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to have you on today. And so you can share more and more about just things you're seeing that are working um, as you go in, especially support those, you know, level two, three, four students with content in their mainstream classrooms. That's what I think adds a lot on to the plates of ESL teachers is feeling like they have to be the expert of all the different content areas, all the different grade levels. I mean, there's so many demands being placed on these teachers. And so we're here to help just find easier ways to, you know, really help support the students and help support the teachers so they they can also be doing some of these things in the classroom. So we're going to be diving in today and talking all about those things and specifically hitting on a strategy that you love to use with your students. So why don't we talk? I want to just briefly talk about the high school experience of supporting ELLs in the high school and multilingual learners in high school, because it is different from my experience. So I'd love for you to just share a little bit about, you know, some tips of how you can really support and connect with older multilingual students. Sure. So it is seeing now from that wide grade band, right? Mm-hmm. It is, it does look very different. Um, I do find that it is similar to like middle and junior high grades for sure. But supporting our multilingual students, there's kind of two things that need to happen. So supporting our content area teachers with how to support their students and then also how to support your students the best. So you're you're really trying to find the best techniques for your students at each different level and in each different content area, which it sounds really complicated, right? You're like, I don't know math. Like, I hate math. Yeah. <laughs> but there are like super simple strategies that I just make sure that our teachers are doing um, that are super helpful and get you like the best bang for your buck, if you will. So that's what we're looking for. We got to find those those uh, few to at least get started so we can build on that foundation, started. right? Yeah, because we can't, teachers can't do it all. They're no. being asked to do so much and they have so many different students in their classroom. I mean, it's not just, you're lucky if you only have multilingual learners, right? Yeah. Or you're lucky yeah. if you're just an ESL teacher. But if you're a content area teacher, it's like, it can be overwhelming, right? So so two things that I usually suggest, so in a coaching session, or if it's just like a quick conversation in the lounge or the hallway, because in high school, you don't have time. You don't really, we don't really push in a lot. I think some districts do that, but it's like hallway, bathroom, lounge conversations in five minutes or less. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um I usually make sure that some type of translanguaging is happening in the classroom. And I think that most teachers are okay with using the first language in the classroom. And mm-hmm. if they're not, we need to really <laughs> try to get that mindset shift happening. Yeah. But if they are, I think sometimes they're like, oh, I provide translations or they can use their phone, you know, Mm. they can use Google Translate. But translanguaging is not just about translating. It's about strategically letting them use their first language. So first of all, making it an asset, right? And saying, yes, of course, please do that. And we want them to be able to use it to make meaning. So. If they are with a buddy, which they should if they need one, right? Maybe if Mm -hmm. they're like a level three or four, they're 
they're probably fine, right? But if they're a one or two, make sure they have a buddy and they can talk about and digest the material in their first language. And then you can use English to kind of bridge like, okay, what did you talk about with your buddy? And let's use some sentence stems, some frames, and some targeted vocabulary to kind of put that into motion, right? Yeah. So sentence stems, frames, and a little word bank sounds so simple, but (laughs) it's like the easiest thing you can do to get your students engaging um, and not just sitting in their seat, right? And quiet because we know that our multilingual students mostly don't talk in the classroom and they get nervous. And if they don't feel safe, they're going to possibly clam up. I mean, I, when I was learning Spanish and I'm still learning, that was me for sure. So translanguaging and then giving them those like English structures. So intentional structures, if they're comparing and contrasting what are those sentence frames that they need to compare and contrast mm-hmm. and give them some academic vocabulary that you're using in that lesson? Yes. I love those ideas. And I love that, you know, especially thinking with high school, because in the elementary setting, a lot of times you work with one-on-one with a teacher and the students in the same classroom all day. But in high school, it's very different if you're working with the math teacher and the science teacher, you know, there's so many yeah. different people you're trying to connect with and help to support your students in the classroom. So I think finding those types of strategies, like you mentioned, um, modeling that, demonstrating that so that whatever the the content is, those strategies can be used successfully. And then what a benefit for our students to be able to know, oh, I've used a strategy before in science. Okay, now I can apply it as I'm doing math. The power behind that repetition that they're seeing across different content areas is really powerful as well. For sure. And if you can get like your like your ninth grade team or your English team or the math team on board with some of these strategies that they can just use wherever, what class they're in, that lowers that effective filter. Absolutely. And then they're more ready to, you know, engage academically and hopefully they have a buddy, right? Hopefully they have a buddy, but it doesn't always happen. So there are other simple strategies like making sure you have a picture (laughs) or an image, right? Yeah. Super simple. Um, And that kind of goes into text engineering, Mm -hmm. which is a strategy I love for reading. And there is a little bit of planning involved. um, But I think with differentiating your lessons, you're you're probably already doing it, (laughs) right? Text engineering is something that you're like, well, I, I've been doing this and now I have a name for it. In education, I feel like that's what we do sometimes. But there is a structure. So text engineering, if you know of Ida Walkwe, mm-hmm. she has a great article, but um, she kind of breaks it down and she recommends um, for text engineering to use images, mm-hmm. which we just talked about, which is super simple to add an image to any text science or math teacher, just inserting a graph or or some type of graphic or image, but also adding in little subheadings and headings so they know what the text is going to be about. So they know what each section will be about. So your text is chunked, right? Mm -hmm. You're chunking. And if you have a newcomer or a level one student, 
it might be a smaller chunk, right? Or you, they might just get one chunk instead of three chunks. And then for each chunk, adding in a little guiding question. And you can also add in a translation if needed. Just a simple one like, who is this section about, right? Or what is the message of this section? Or even what's the main idea of this section? And then also including little translation. You don't have to translate the whole thing. Little translations of academic words in there or possibly synonyms. So they might know what the word like big means, but there might be a word they haven't seen before that means big. So you're putting big in parentheses um, so they know, oh, okay, this word means that. And I know this word and Mm -hmm. they gain confidence as well. But I think one of the main things with text engineering is we don't need to simplify the text. So I think teachers might get overwhelmed and say, oh my gosh, my students can't read this text, right? It's too Mm -hmm. complicated. It's too complex, but they can, they can do it if we engineer it correctly, if Mm -hmm. we chunk it for them, because Ida Walkwe says, if we simplify it, it sometimes makes our text more confusing for our students because It's not a natural way of speaking. There's a really good example, actually, in her article. Let me see if I can pull it up here. We read Fahrenheit 451 in our ninth grade class. And of course, we did not read the whole book. (laughs) And that's okay. We read the most important parts and we chunked it. So here's an example from Fahrenheit 451. Since Fahrenheit 451 can be difficult for recently arrived students, amplifying the text can help make it comprehensible. If I wanted to simplify this sentence, I might say Fahrenheit 451 can be difficult, period. It may be hard for recently arrived students, period. Amplifying the text can make it easy to understand, period. So just in simplifying, we're Mm -hmm. making the sentences simple, right? They're not complex or compound sentences, but I've added two more sentences to it and it's super choppy and it's not natural. (laughs) Yeah. So I think sometimes for a newcomer, right, this is totally appropriate. They are working with that sentence structure, um, especially if you're doing a grammar lesson that is around simple sentences, totally fine. We do want to expose them to that complex text. So really, that's the essence of it is not making more work for yourself, but adding in some pictures, a question or two, even for newcomers, a little summary for them to read so they know the gist of it. Having you kind of talk through that whole process is so helpful because I I imagine, especially once you get to, you know, fifth grade and up where the, the Mm -hmm. grade level content is a lot more difficult and it's a lot more difficult to simplify in a way that still is natural and makes sense without losing the entire meaning of what they're supposed to be learning. And so I think that's a struggle for a lot of teachers who are supporting multilingual learners, whether they're an ESL teacher, homeroom teacher is just how do Mm -hmm. we not water down what we're doing, but how do we 
create, you know, or how do we use the text in a way that is very comprehensible to these students that is really unlocking the ability to understand and engage with language and content together. That's, that's really the, (laughs) what can be so difficult (laughs) sometimes. Um, But what, as, as I'm researching, you know, as we're talking, as we're learning, it just really goes back to one setting up routines where your students mm-hmm. then begin to see, okay, I know your, their brain already is set up and saying, okay, I know, regardless of what the topic is, I know what I need to do right now. I'm going to start and look at the picture and, and we're going to talk about the picture. And then there's going to be a guiding mm-hmm. question. I mean, all these things that really, at the end of the day, all of our students benefit from doing these things. So I yes. know that those who are listening might say, okay, I like this idea, but it sounds like a lot of work, but at the end of the day, our classrooms are filled with students that all need support in in one way or another, mm-hmm. whether they're multilingual learners or not. There's many monolingual learners mm-hmm. who who need and would benefit from this type of support. And so really seeing and planning, you know, ahead of time, I think this is where for me, it was always like planning the night before and never feeling like I was doing enough and mm-hmm. always feeling like, ah, oh, these plans really aren't what my students need. And so really taking that time and space to look ahead and saying, okay, if this is the content we're working on, even just pulling one or two passages and getting those ready and, and spending time repeating on those passages and letting them, you know, I'm yes. listening on that and, and drawing about it. And, you know, maybe the first, this is why I love closed reading as well. You could use this text engineering and go deeper. Maybe the first time they read through is just one pretty simple question, a simple paragraph that you're reading that's still complex, but then as a summary, maybe the next time they read the, the passage gets a little more complex. Maybe you add in some more academic vocabulary. Um, you know, maybe you yes. ask a different question that they now are going to respond to. And so, but but having that repetition is so powerful mm-hmm. for our students. And that's where they're going to be able mm-hmm. to understand the content that they're expected to understand um, and really grow in their language skills. So I love, I just love the visual of, you know, walking through and just adding in these these quick little things that can really help amplify learning for our students. Yes, for sure. And can you just imagine, imagine being on your team, whatever, if it's your fourth grade team or your ninth grade team and everyone is doing this and everyone is doing, okay, we're going to do three reads, right? And we're Mm going to build background for the first read. And we're going to do that routine. Can you imagine the success that our students will have? Yeah. I just, it's just like these simple things can be so impactful. Absolutely. You know how, I mean, thinking of the light bulb clicking for our students, because it's, it's scaffolded so that they're able to really comprehend. And I think, you know, going through what you're saying Thinking of ways we can simplify this process, maybe you already have a content passage that the homeroom teacher is using, you know, so thinking of what you're saying as an ESL teacher, it might be going and adding in a picture with that and removing some of the paragraphs. Um, Mm -hmm. It might just be writing up a quick summary on a post-it and sticking it to that passage. So it doesn't have to necessarily Mm -hmm. be redoing the whole passage but, or maybe highlighting a few of the academic vocabulary words and on the side, writing them in their, in that student's native language. So those are some really simple ways that we can scaffold what's already happening in the classroom for those times when I know some teachers who do push in are feeling like 
they're on the spot. They don't have time to prepare, but, you know, bring those post-its mm-hmm. with you and just do some quick scaffolding so that you're, yeah. you're engineering the text on the spot, essentially. <laughs> yes. And it can be on the spot, right? Like I, there were many a time in my newcomer classes that I would, I would need some on the spot support, whether that meant I didn't plan accordingly or yeah. something didn't go the way that I thought it was going to go. And there were so many times when I just went, okay, you know what? We're going to switch gears. I'm going to highlight the text that I want us to read. Don't look, look at any of the other parts of the text. This is the only part I want you to focus on. And we just dug in right there. So yeah, it can be totally just in time on the spot. And I want to also add, I'm learning in the elementary worlds, like the different tiered supports and like yeah. pull out and push it when it, you know, when all of that happens and this is a whole new world for me, but in high school, I think it, it happens in the different classrooms. Right. But I think there is a place for them to dive in if they need to at the simpler like level, if that makes sense. So they're getting that grade level text. And it's chunked, it's engineered. But if they need that extra time to like really dive into like just simple sentence structures or even like compound sentence structures, by all means, and if you have the time, go ahead and simplify the text, right? So you're Mm -hmm. working at their level. But the key is make sure there's that extra time. But the key is they're getting that grade level text and it's an equity piece, right? Like, yeah it's equitable for our students to get the same text. So I just wanted to add that point in there that if teachers are like, Oh, but they, they still can't, they still aren't grasping. It's okay. Mm -hmm. We're not saying, you know, you can't do this, but there should be a place for both to happen. If that makes sense. Yes. Yes. I love that point. I love that because I think you know, especially with newcomers, yes, there it's appropriate to simplify so that they're learning, you know, simple sentence mm-hmm. structure, but then mm-hmm. also just giving them that push for those. I've had some newcomers who actually had tons of language. They just weren't speaking yet. So we identified mm-hmm. them and said, oh, they must be newcomers. Yeah. Well, guess what? Once they started speaking, they had so much already built up in them. So it's like for those students, <laughs> you're just not even sure what maybe, maybe they have a ton already and you're not aware of that. Yeah. Um, but then yeah. getting that grade level reading helps them to develop mm-hmm. that vocabulary, that sentence structure. And I think that's really yeah. important, especially with our level twos, threes, and fours that we, you know, we don't want them to become long-term ELLs. We want them to keep moving right. forward. And so we don't yes. want to limit them from seeing those examples of what this looks like. What's a complex sentence looks like? What's expected of you? Mm-hmm. How can we expect them to be using that if we're removing those things and simplifying the sentences all the time? So I think it's that that mm-hmm. dance of knowing when when we need to simplify and when we need to push mm-hmm. and just scaffold so that they're, you know, learning it that way. It's so true. It's such a dance. And yeah. like supporting new teachers sometimes, I'm like, I don't know how to tell you how to do this dance. <laughs> sometimes it's <laughs> but just I'm gonna try to yeah. help you as much as I can. Cause it really is just like. Like it is, you have to have the experience and kind of the know of, well, what level your students are at, right? Yeah. And you understand that as you as you continue teaching, but it is such a dance. I think that's sure. a good point for any of our, our new teachers or our new to, you know, working with multilingual learners. I know it's extremely yeah. overwhelming. Any Anybody who's new to teaching, it's extremely overwhelming, but 
Um, when yes. you're trying to juggle all the different language levels and support, it can feel really overwhelming. So we just want to encourage you that so much is learned through then, just experience. So keep going, find simple happen. ways that you can just, you know, yes. start to add in those scaffolds and support. And you're going to start to be able to see clearly mm-hmm. like, okay, the student's a level three, I can push them a little mm-hmm. bit here, or they might need the support still. So you'll get there. For we sure. want to encourage you. Yes, it will happen. <laughs> awesome. Now I want to ask you this question since now you've, you've had experience in elementary and high school. Have you seen any scaffolds that have really just, you know, spanned across grade levels? I know I have many teachers listening who teach multiple different grade levels, multiple, multiple different groups. Have you seen any go-to strategies that really have been awesome with a group of second graders or a group of eighth graders mm-hmm. besides maybe so- word banks and sentence stems? Yeah, I was going to say, well, that's, well, it's so simple, but yes, that's a good one. But I would say one that I really loved and that can really be done at any um, grade level is the picture word inductive model. Yeah, And I love it because you can really integrate reading, writing, listening, speaking, getting students to interact. So getting them to swirl, that strategy is really great. And will you go a little more into what swirl is? Because I know some people might. Yeah. Yes. So swirling is really all of the language domains. So it's S W and there's a little I in there R L and it stands for speak, write, interact, read, and listen. Students need practice with all of those domains, right? And that's what they get tested on each of those domains in their WIDA or whatever assessment that your state uses. But with the picture word inductive model, they are interacting with each other and with you as a teacher generating ideas. And they're speaking. So they're looking at a picture and they're just saying maybe what the nouns are. So if there's a picture of a classroom, maybe they're saying desk, chair, teacher. And the teacher is kind of recording and labeling that picture. And then you can develop those words into sentences, right? You can say, okay, what are some adjectives? And then you can go through the adjectives. And then you start stringing sentences together and have them write together, turn and talk together, and they can do extended writing after. So there's different ways that you can do that strategy, but it's really a great one for any grade level. And I even tell, I support our bilingual instructional aides and I tell them, like, if you don't have a plan <laughs> for your day or your pullout time, small groups, just do this. Seriously. Yeah, it's it's, it'll work with any picture. Great strategy to use with any grade level or mixed groups. I know that's a lot of, you know, teachers are really yeah. trying to figure out how can I do one strategy that's going to work with these newcomers and these level three and four students that I have. So yeah. it's a great one that you can use with newcomers all the way up to your level. Five. Exactly. And, you know, those like the higher levels, I always just say, you know what, require them to write, do extended writing exactly. with complex sentences. I want to see these academic words, right? And like mm-hmm. when you're speaking, I want to see these um, sentence structures, like you are really the model for our newcomers. So That's it's a good one. It. And it's best when it's connected to content, right? Absolutely. Something that you're reading. Yes. Yes. I love that so much. All right. Well, before we go, I would love to know 
Was there a PD book that you've read that's helped you on your journey to be a better teacher to support your multilingual learners? Yes. Oh my goodness. There are so many. I do want to mention, I haven't gotten to dive into it, but Ida Walkwe has a book amplifying the curriculum. I believe it's what it's called. It's on my, it's on my shelf. Okay. (laughs) In my office. But one that I just super love lately is Growing Language and Literacy by Andrea, Andrea Honigsfeld. Yeah. And it's so, have you read it? I haven't. I have it in my cart on Amazon, but I haven't got to it yet. It's really great. And our ELD coaches love it because it breaks down like each proficiency level. It tells you what they can do when they're ready to move on to the next level. And it gives like specific concrete strategies for all the language domains. And she's got awesome pictures in there too. So you can really visualize what it looks like. Oh, I love it. So it says for K-8, but I mean, it's really for all grades. Oh, that sounds amazing. All right. We'll we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Well, thank you so much, Susan. Can you let my listeners know where they can find more about you? Yes. So my blog is mymllmentor.com. I'm usually on Instagram or Facebook and it's just at my.mll.mentor. Wonderful. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. This is such a pleasure to have you. So much fun. Thank you, Beth. All right. We will link all those things we talked about in today's episode in the show notes. You can quickly and easily find out more about Susan and connect with her on Instagram or Facebook. Thank you for joining me in today's episode. All links and resources mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you're looking for even more support and done for you resources created specifically for the needs of ELLs, head to inspiringyounglearners.com. I'll catch you here next week. Until then... Take that next step to keep equipping your ELLs.